Welcome to Judy's Jungle, episode number three. Uh, today I have a very, very good friend uh, joining me today, uh, Andrew Dalton. Uh, rad dude, all around, stellar. Um, we've met through like, the music world and music, music bands and being young and being punk. And, uh, and that was, I don't know, maybe 20... Somewhere in 93. I did the math on the way over here. 93. Yeah, so, so I was like 18 then. 27 years ago. Yeah, crazy. Awesome. I love it. Um, we're going to talk about more of his music that he's done. Uh, and also some of the writing he's done. One of my favorite, strong, my favorite writers. Um, we're talking about. We're gonna talk about a little bit about that too. We're gonna talk about a bunch of things. I'm really excited that that you're here, Andrew. Thanks, man. So starting off today, um, I went through. I went to a little bit different route than I've done in the past. Uh, I started off with Jimmy Castor. Um, that was released on Smash Records, 1966. The name of the record was Hey Leroy. The name of the song was Bang Bang. Some Harlem Latin rock. Um, I love it, 1966, and just, just tearing it up in New York City. Uh, right now in the background, we got some Lou Donaldson playing uh, Mr. Shingling from the record Mr. Shingling uh, on Blue Note, 1967. The track is called The Humpback. This is, has Lonnie Smith on organ, Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Jimmy Fats Prado on guitar, and Leo Morris on the drums. This is the second record he released on Blue Note. The first one was Alligator Boogaloo. If you haven't heard Alligator Boogaloo, oh man, you need to check that out. That is some fat stuff. And also, you won't, obviously, we have Lou Donaldson on the alto sax. So, we got that going. Um, I'm digging this jam. So, we're going to go back to it. And then, um, and then, I don't know what Andrew brought. And then I don't care, because that's how it goes on Judy's Jungle. Anything goes. And I'm excited, because I'm, I'm certain it's going to be something that we're all going to dig. And I can't wait to talk about the jams with Andrew. So going back to Lou Donaldson, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
again i don't know why i always say that it's obvious i like that we're back uh as a radio (laughs) back from commercial vibe (laughs) so right now we got some terry riley playing in the background um from the record a rainbow in curved air the track is a rainbow in curved air uh there's some crazy classical psychedelic improv music from 1969 released on columbia records American composer every instrument on this record he plays himself it's fantastic I, I love ironing to this that's it's it's it was my brain 
But hello, Andrew. Hey. Well, welcome. Can I ask Richard when this is going to be uh, dropping? Oh, what is it? September? Sometime in September. It's, wait, it's Labor Day. Because, you know, like on, it is Labor Day. It's a holiday. Yeah, that's why you're here. Because it's like on, you know, on where they tape Jeopardy like months in advance, but they know they know what day it's going to be, so they have to act like they might have to act extra Christmassy if it's in October <laughs> or like pretend. I'd be like, I'm oh, so do I need to be like, oh, I'm so full of pumpkin pie that I. No, I think this will probably be coming out within the week. So we just act like it's later in the week. Yeah, let's act like it's let's act like it's Friday. Like, oh man, you remember that heat five days ago? Oh, oh man, man. Yeah, yeah, that was gnarly. That heat was so crazy. Thank God, it's only been in the nineties all week. Man, it's. You know, uh, you could be like, oh, man, this is like, I'm so glad Labor Day's over and everyone's, everyone's back in school. I know. <laughs> I know. Labor Day holiday was awesome and I'm still getting over it. Oh, God. I, you outed yourself as a hater of Thanksgiving in the last episode, but you didn't really elaborate because, you know, you're letting your guests talk. As yeah, you should. Yeah. I, Thanksgiving, um, it's just. I've been getting a lot of flack for this because people I, I'm not I'm not a meat eater. You know, and and I'm not a I'm not a big fan of pilgrims. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like buckles on your hats or shoes. No, I mean I had I had shoes with buckles on them in the past. Yeah, I think that was like probably when I first met you. Yeah, because that was cool. Yeah, yeah, that sure. That was cool then. But since then, I only use buckles for belts. Yeah, 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 and definitely not on hats. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It looks yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it's kind of silly. Um. But so, Andrew, I have no idea where you're playing today. Anything you want to get into? You know, as I was telling you in, in our pre-production meetings, um, we uh, my I have a terrible record collection, uh, and it was just a, it's an ill-fated. You know, when I was broke, uh, made some ill-fated decisions to sell all. You know, anything they would take at Amoeba. Oh, we've all we've all oh. we've all made those decisions. Still mad about it, but I just decided when you when you told me, you know, it's really good to pull from. You bring your own vinyl and make it vinyl. I was just going to find a way to find you know five or six songs in my own collection that sucks. Dude, I have a lot of trust in you. I mean, you, you have turned me on to so many things in the past that I, I, that I would have overlooked or you know, would never have given the time of day, and, and now they're like staple records in my record collection. Well, likewise. And uh, yeah, it's going to run heavily country prob- because country records just aren't worth that much. I mean, it's just like, it's just never been an <laughs> that's, album genre. That's not true. Well, comparatively, though. I mean, it's just, okay. it's just so many country records are collections, and like there's, it's never been a genre where people did made albums that were, like the album has never been the thing. It's always been the single. So if you like want to think of like the 10 greatest country records ever, it's kind of like, instead of like, you know, if it were rock records, you'd be like, oh, how can I ever pick? And in this case, it's like, well, shit, what are 10 good country? Like, you know, it's like, well, there's the cash records in prison and there's like, the, you yeah. know, it's like, it's like, it's just not, it's just not about the album. But, you so, know, but the, the, when, when Johnny Cash came back on a, what, America Records, when he did his comeback and like with the... Um with a Rick Rubin, all that stuff. Yeah, those records are a lot of money now. Like, the actual records themselves. Are? Yeah, wow. like I, it's. I mean, I will never I guess sell. Old now, too. I, will, I would never sell mine just because they mean so much to me and place a, a very special place in my heart. But I was like looking on. I kind of just you know looked it up and on eBay, and I was like, holy cow. Wow. These are expensive. I certainly wouldn't think so. I like to think with cash when you after you made those huge, you know, prison records at San Quentin and at, at Folsom Prison. Yeah. That, um, like, and he did, he was kind of down on his luck and fell out of popularity after that. And I would like to think that maybe he was just playing in shittier, shittier jails. <laughs> 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 so he had a record from, like, 1982 where he was, like, at the Tulare County <laughs> holding facility, <laughs> playing to five guys. Man. 
Yeah. Just playing to the drunk tank. <laughs> he almost got there. So what what do we have queued up right now? So we're gonna Carter family. This is this. You know, these first couple are gonna be the oldest songs by far ever played on the vast history of Judy's Jungle. Um, it's um, it's. Um, Carter family, um, you know, they, they were one of my favorite artists, and still are in some ways, but they were for many years, and I, I kind of have uh, mixed feelings about them after kind of digging into them in some ways, because, you know, their, their leader, A.P. Carter, who's, I mean, I've, uh, who I adored so much that if my, my daughter had been a boy, you know, I might, her name might have been Alvin Pleasant, so we could call her A.P. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, uh, uh, I loved him so much as this sort of, you know, eccentric, you know, sad, woodsy man who would, you know, mid-song go, leave and take a walk and, and, you know, would back up these two women. And, and, and with this an unbelievable songwriter who wrote all these songs that seemed like they should have been, just had traditional attached to them. Um, so many songs that you just think of as just sort of basic folk. But then I, I dug into them. I actually thought about writing a book about them for a while. And, and um, it turns out... and. <laughs> Turns out he's just really a just a really a hideous music thief, and I'm not, I'm not a music thief. I mean, I actually think it's bullshit the way we talk about this stuff most of the time. Sure. Like the idea that you can like play the standard three blues chords and be like, I invented this. It's just so stupid to me most of the time. But there's just no denying with with AP Carter, he walked through the woods and and found people's songs, including like old hymns and like even songs like he had a, a there was an African American um, uh, like mentor Leslie Riddle who he almost certainly took songs from and uh uh you know the two women in the band like he uh, he like they would do arrangements and write songs and he would put his and he would just put his name on them I mean, yeah, I, yeah you know I, yeah i've read about that it's all fine it's all awesome like but he's much more like alan lomax or you know who did, where the guy did the folk anthology harry um harry smith or whatever yeah um he's like that's his role which is awesome except that he put his name on it like he wrote it from scratch in every case, and it's just yeah. it's kind of total horseshit. I, but but as the time has gone by, I've, I've sort of he's fallen out of favor in my head. But like the two women in the band are amazing. spectacular. Yeah, they're amazing, and that's really what it's all about. And I mean, and, and May, Mother Maybell being like the, the maybe the most important guitarist in the history of country music, Sarah Carter sort of inventing how you're supposed to sing country. Yeah. So I they, I still adore them for exactly that reason, and we're gonna hear. The, the very first thing they recorded. It's the very first, you know, they came, there's that famous day, 1927, when Ralph Peer from the Victor Recording Company put a bad in the paper saying, all singers come. Super cinematic. He'd already, fa- he'd already found Jimmy Rogers this day, but it had been uh-huh. mostly a day of terrible music, and it was one of those, like, it's just totally, that was one of those really cinematic moments where he's like, okay, you know, well, we got one more for you, Ralph, you know, like after he's having to hear everyone's aunt and niece play the trombone and clarinet, right? Yeah. Um, and then they come, you know, he's exhausted and he's over it and he comes in and he turns the microphone on and then this just like raw electric trio from the woods breaks into this song about... What's the name of this song? Bury Me Under the Weeping Willow. Okay. It's about, it's about a, a teenage girl who's been left by her fiancé. And kills herself, and wants you know wants to be buried in a prominent place so that he can he can come and cry and change his mind. So in the afterlife, he's going to come back to her. This oh, is like a okay. really common theme. They, the Carter family has like three. They uh, they have heavens. I'm going to be in heaven soon. You uh-huh. know, I miss my dead mama, uh-huh. and I'm going to kill myself because you left me. <laughs> and I'm going to be buried right by your house. Oh man, Carter family. All right, let's get into that. And 1927. Then, 1927. All right, we're going to check that out. A little bit of Terry Riley first, and then we're going to the Carter family. Thanks for hanging out.
She was happy and go lucky Sally let your bangs hang down She called me honey bunny Just to make me spend my money Sally let your bangs hang down Sally she can land them She loves them and she leaves them Sally let your bangs hang down I'll find out what Sally's got Makes the man think she's so hot Sally let your bangs hang down Swing them low. I saw Sally changing clothes. She was in a perfect pose. Sally, let your bangs hang down. She caught me a peeping in. I don't think it was a sin. Sally, let your bangs hang down. Sally, she can land them, she loves them and she leaves them. Sally, let your bangs hang down. Sally calls me her man, she's a getting all she can. Sally, let your bangs hang down. Let your hair down. That's friendly Henry, the working girl's friend. I want her Sally, the working girl. <laughs> Be confessing, Sally's always kept me guessing. Sally, let your bangs hang down. 
All right. Played a couple of jams that Andrew picked out right now. We got some Dick Hyman in the background from the electric electrics of Dick Hyman and his Moog. I'm a big fan of this guy. Mm-hmm. Good, good stuff from Moog. Moog music is good. All right, so, Andrew, we talked about the Carter family. Let's talk about the last two jams. After that was uh, Maddox Brothers and Rose, who were kind of a great unsung. They don't get enough credit, both as uh, innovators of Western swing and as, as innovators of the Bakersfield sound. Both of those, two, they had a huge amount to do with both of those things. And um, an amazing, amazing band. Just reminds me so much of the music that we used to play and the way that they started out and that they were like, they were what she called fruit tramps. They'd come from Alabama, but everybody called them Okies, because if you were from outside California, you were an Okie if you came here. Uh-huh. Kind of the same way that people will refer to Guatemalans as Mexicans, you know? Um, <laughs> oh and God. so they would come here and, like... Um, <laughs> True. Did, absolutely. Even in the same, in the same fields, you know? Um, they, they came here they, they came here just dirt poor. Uh, you know, five, four brothers. Well, there's five brothers, but four of them were in the, ended up in the band. And, uh, you know, they lived, actually lived in, like, there was a bunch of those big concrete pipes uh, just out for a construction project in Oakland. They li- lived in a village of those. Uh-huh. And then ended up, ended up getting, you know, p- picking fruit for, like, three cents a basket. This is in the thir- mid-30s, height of the Depression. And one of the brothers just kind of said, fuck this, we're starting a band, even though they barely did anything. That's, what, they, uh, that's what you're supposed to do. Exactly. You're supposed to start a band. He made a bass. He basically played it as percussion because he had no idea how the strings were supposed to work or how you're supposed to tune it. Yeah. And, uh, he, you know, to, they put their, their then you know 11 year old sister out she was Rose uh, Rosie and, and she was the front of the act and they, they just turned out to be you know that song you heard Sally Let Your Bangs Hang Down it was uh-huh. like uh, they, they took that song to the 1939 uh, California State Fair in Sacramento and won like the Hillbilly Band competition with it because it's just rip roaring and they were just they were just live they were just they were just Merle Haggard used to say you know you don't know it's rare in life that you kind of know what you're always wondering whether you're doing the right thing and whether you're there in the right place at the right time but when you were at a Maddox Brothers and Rose show you knew yeah you knew there was no place yeah. on earth you'd rather be in no time you'd rather be living which is exactly what it feels like when you're at yeah. the perfect show right dude it, it totally you know and if Ro Haggard's singing that that's saying something yeah you know yeah uh, and then after that? After that was Neil Young's Journey Through the Past, yeah. 1973. Not to be confused with... So it's like he... Minuteman did this too with the politics of time. There's a... It's, Journey Through the Past was the name of an album. Uh-huh. This is from Do Not, Don't Fade Away. This is from Time Fades Away, Time which fades is the away. album after. Yeah. So the song isn't on. And it's just pure Neil eccentricity. But this song... You actually introduced me to this song. I'd probably heard it, and I certainly knew the name of it. Uh-huh. But you made me a mixtape that was very influential to me in probably the early 2000s, maybe late 90s. That had that on it, and it just, I just, I just found it. I just so it's the perfect Neil Young song because it's I, weird and it, sentimental. Yeah, at the I same love, time, I, I love this. I love that record, and I somehow I could not find that record for years. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's you know moving and then living with Joey and Jan. You mean you couldn't find it in your collection? Because I was yeah. going to say he actually put it. It went out of print. Like he didn't. He hated it, and yeah. so it, it yeah. didn't. It's actually rare. So I couldn't find it, and I was I was, it was driving me nuts. And it was one of those things where I would, I pulled everything out of the shelves and put everything down looking for that record, and I couldn't find it. And then um, I stumbled across it at a record store for like two bucks, and I was like, "What the hell? Two dollars? This is insane!" So I bought it. Uh, a week later, I found it in my parents' closet, my, uh, my parents' house in the closet of my old bedroom. Naturally, I don't even. I was like, "How the 
hell did this well, get here? Why would it even be there? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was like, it's not like it was, you were listening to it when you were 12. That was like the last place I'd ever thought it would be. But So now I have two of them. But, um, you know. I learned recently that's actually a companion song to Helpless. He wrote it right at the same yeah. time. Which, yeah. I mean, Helpless, you know, of course, it was recorded by... Crosby steals the cash and runs. Young, yeah, but it's <laughs> only it's only on um, it's on it's on the Deja Vu record, I believe. Yeah, and then he only released it on Decades. Right. He he released it on Decades, which is really he never released it like on a proper album. A proper of his album. Own. You know, there's a classic version of that with Crazy Horse with Danny Witten. Apparently, there's like a 15 minute version that they played live at the Fillmore on, and uh-huh. there's live at the Fillmore recordings are out there. That song, for some reason, at the end of the night, was just gone. And wow. he says this, that's the quintessential performance of it. It just was missing from the tape. Wow, that's crazy. So it kind of, I think he had mixed feelings about that song later because he like net the, he felt like he missed out on the perfect version. But yeah, and then and then but the journey through the past is better. It's because it's got his weirdness. He's got it's got fiddles talking the drums. It's got you know uh-huh. it's still utterly moving at the same time. And they're both clearly about you know home in Canada, missing home. Yeah, Canada. Yeah, I mean, I think people forget that Neil Young is from Canada. Oddly, because he's got that Levon. Well, Levon's not from Canada. The rest of the band is, but uh, yeah. But um, the uh, he's got the, such a countrified vibe that it's uh-huh. it's, uh, it's almost you know Canada sure doesn't forget. And he was in the yeah. Canadian like We Are the World. Yeah. Called yeah, yeah. Northern That's- Lights. <laughs> so it's st- solidly stamped. But that that mixtape you made me was huge. I probably t- told you about it before, but you yeah, introduced yeah, me to yeah. Jonathan Edwards, who yeah, Jonathan Edwards, great, was a one-hit wonder for that. Sometimes uh-huh. sunshine go, but but he's so much more. And there's that song, everything you put on there is this kind of syncopated, gorgeous like neo country tune, so yeah, good. Yeah, I mean uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, everyone knows him playing maybe one jam, but I I actually think his whole this whole library of music is, is I, I, I'm a big fan of it it's fantastic um, yeah. so sometimes having the one hit and getting branded as one hit wonder yeah. can actually hurt you in that way I mean yeah. my brother went Nate saw him in Berkeley just maybe five years ago uh-huh. at uh, Freight and Salvage they're sort of McCabe's up there yeah dude that's awesome yeah. dude, that's so cool um, so going back so we met, I met Andrew through music um, and Andrew was a singer of a, of a pivotal band in my life called Nuzzle um, and I, I, I still have stayed friends with Everyone, um, uh, you know, Nate and Sammy and, and, and Ricardo and you, obviously you're here and uh, big, big, big impression of my life. And uh, then you guys went the route of that, that kind of, that just kind of ended. I don't know really, I didn't really knew what happened um, with that. Because then you guys came back with Dying California, the, the, the Dying California. We did the Dying Californian, which was a kind of a, you know, a lot more Neil Young influenced and quiet country stuff and for like eight years after that. And I, you know what, I had a baby and went to journalism school and I was kind of like the idea and I, you know, like relinquished the role of front man, let my brother sing and, and sat down at the keyboards. And I was like, it was funny because I had a kid and, and did that. And then I was kind of like, when I was done with it, I was like, it was went to everyone else and I was like alright guys let's go on tour now and of course that, at that point they all started having babies and, and yeah. getting uh, buying houses and getting more serious jobs so we never we never broke up I guess it's technically still together the way that like the Rolling Stones are still together you know? <laughs> yeah. are they still together? technically sure and they'll be years without doing anything although they're doing stuff you know Yeah. but yeah so it never it never you know we never stopped and Nate and I are all, will always play songs yeah. together yeah I mean so. yeah I, I, I know Nate you guys that's what I love about you guys is that um the, you just continue to create, and um, that's super important with the people I surround myself is to be active and be creative and to share 
share that with other people because uh, you have no idea how it's going to affect someone or not. And because it definitely has affected me. I mean, I, I remember one time uh, I was able to, uh, Nate asked me to play in a Dying California show. And I was so nervous, I just turned my back the whole time and played with my Space Echo. <laughs> <laughs> just how Nate started out. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. We had to carry Sammy's big rig amp up a flight of stairs in San Francisco in the mission. And it was, uh, and yeah, Sammy was just he's like, why are we, why are we playing upstairs? Why is there no elevator? He was, you know, and now it's just kind of, I don't know, dude. I never helped enough. I just did. Can I take this moment to apologize my bet to my bandmates for not helping with loading enough? I was like, this is the perk of being the singer is I got my shit. I brought my brain style and face up the stairs. Yeah. You guys can lift the bass rig. <laughs> that what, eight, eight, ten. What is that Ampeg thing? You have? <laughs> it's the size of a fridge and not a dorm fridge either. <laughs> yeah. So it's heavy. Parents' fridge. So heavy. Um, all right, so we're going to go into another song uh, Andrew has picked. And actually, this record Andrew turned me on to. Um, and I didn't leave my turntable for probably about two months. And it's a fantastic record. Andrew, you, you talk about this. Redhead Stranger, Willie Nelson, it was, it's really his masterpiece. And, and um, it's, uh, 30, it's one of those records. It's like Rubber Soul or uh, you know, the, uh, Pink Moon that's about barely over half an hour long. Um, but just an epic journey. Uh, and it's, the beauty of it is that it's, it is, uh, um, you know, it's, a, it's a country opera, basically. A, yeah. sing- a very singular yeah. story. But he takes songs as old as from the 20s. Yeah. And some of it is written and from all different artists, and he makes it sound so unbelievably singular. It's a, and it's such a quiet, quiet record. The record company thought it was a demo because, you know, by this time, the, his live shows were these huge romps. I mean, they, yeah. they, were, they were playing, you know, the, the, his family band was, was just really almost like sort of the Grateful Dead and their best moments of just doing crazy jams, and they, that's what they expected to get. And then he turns into this record that's just unbelievably minimal um and you know i chose this song hands on the wheel because it, you know I, I think about i think because it's my job writing you know obituaries for people a lot of the time i, I think i think too much about how people are going to be remembered and uh, and with willie's kind of like prince it's like he does so many things so well that if he had done just one of them he'd be remembered as you know the greatest songwriter guitarist yeah uh you know weed promoter yeah in his oh, case oh yeah um and uh, you know didn't, I, didn't he smoke weed on the top of the white house he on the roof of the white house yeah. with jimmy carter's kid hell yeah you know his whole tale and i can i can i could go on way too long about it but like you know he was basically a basically a washed up nashville nashville guy in the late 60s when his house there burned down and he decided to go back home to texas he was never going to stop playing music because it's the only thing he really yeah. likes to do other than you know golf and weed but yeah but um he um and then he he just happened to run smack into this sort of burgeoning you know, hippie culture, hippie meets redneck culture of Austin yeah. that he was just absolutely born for. Yeah. And so then, so then, you know, five years later, he's like, as you know, he's like famous enough to be playing at the White House and to be uh, atop the White House with Jimmy Carter's kid smoking a J. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, you know, imagine, he... Imagine that, huh? Just looking out. Exactly. I'm stoned and this, this is, you know, this is where the president hangs out. He kind of fell all the way down to it, but people kind of forget, like in the late 80s, early 90s, Dolly a little bit too, but Willie especially, like uh-huh. he really fell out of popularity. Like he was not, like we went, and, me and our friend Steve and Amy went and uh-huh. we had free tickets at Aaron's Records because they were giving them away to Willie at Universal Amphitheater. What? And it was still only half full. This was 1995 oh or 6. God, that's insane. He was making great records during the time. It was Ricky Spirit. 96. Oh yeah, I was, still, I was still in Long Beach then. 
Yeah. Yeah, you guys were yeah. all you guys all had relocated to Los Angeles. This is when Steve and Amy were living in Northridge and and uh, yeah, we had a it was a fun night. We were a little bit late. Amy threw up in the uh, parking lot and yeah. uh, it was a good but it was perfect <laughs> for the night. And you know, people dancing in the aisles. It was just like so but it was sad that so few people were seeing him and it's really awesome even if it's largely based on his just being a wacky grand, weedy grandpa like he's, yeah. it's awesome that he's actually kind of got, gotten his due again the last couple decades. Yeah. Um he's like 80. I should look. He's like 86 now. Yeah, but uh, but the, the, in my mind, the thing he's going to be remembered as most is a vocalist because he has this unbelievable combination of, oh, sort of jazz and country it, styles. It's very unique. And this song is the very like is the height of his the peak of his powers when he's just got this like now his voice is super weak and he's kind of like an old pitcher that just throws all kinds of breaking shit all the time. Uh-huh. Like he's all, he's all leaning heavily on his jazz like phrasing and stuff. But uh, at this point, he just has such unbelievable strength and subtlety, and it all comes across in this song, which is almost a cappella. There's some instruments in it, but they kind of just join him slowly. Dude, I'd like the selection he's been playing today because it's uh, it's basically your storytelling with your records today. And that's why I was really hoping that you would do, because I love hearing your stories. I love hearing you talk. And basically, right now, what you're, the songs you're picking and the they all are kind of rela- kind of relating to each other and they're connecting with each other and and spanning time with each other. Um, I, I love that. Um, let's get into this Willie Nelson, and then we're gonna we'll find out what else Andrew has in his pocket for us because mm-hmm. uh, I'm really excited. Thanks for hanging out. This is Judy's Jungle. At a time when the world seems to be spinning Hopelessly out of control There's deceivers and believers And old in-betweeners That seem to have no place to go Well, it's the same old song It's right and it's wrong And living is just something that I do And with no place to hide I looked in your eyes And I found myself in you I look to the stars Right all on the bars And I'm nearly gone up in smoke Now my hand's on the wheel Of something that's real And I feel like I'm going home And in the shade of an oak Down by the river Set an old man on a ball Setting sails, spinning tails And fishing for whales With a lady they both enjoy It's the same down tune It's the man in the moon 
I feel about you And with no place to hide I looked in your eyes And I found myself in you And I looked to the stars Right on all the bars And I've nearly gone up in smoke Now my hand's on the wheel of something that's real and I feel like I'm going home
mama's belly. When I was born, the midwife screamed and shout. I had fire and brimstone coming out of my mouth. I'm at Soma. Exoma was a planet that once is Mars. I got the voices of many in my throat, the teeth of a frog and the tail of a goat. I'm Exoma. Yeah, and uh, hello again. Haha. <laughs> I keep saying this, and I'm gonna keep on saying this. We're back. So in the background right now, we got Exuma. This crazy rad dude uh, is actually from the self-titled, this is Obia Man. Uh, he reincarnates himself, reincarnate, reincarnates himself uh, from a New York City dude to an, a dude making magical music out in a made-up island somewhere. What's that record? It's uh, Andy uh, Ward actually uh, got me into the Exuma and uh, it just, it never stopped. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's good stuff. But um, going back, so we, had, we did some Willie Nelson from The Red-Headed Stranger. And then what did we hear after that, Andrew? It's uh, Abby Lincoln Live from 1957. It was kind of a substitute song. I, my, one of my very favorite songs is her version of For All We Know, uh, which opens up uh, Drugstore Cowboy. Oh, was on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. And uh, it's she's kind of a protege of Billie Holiday, which is really obvious. Um, and uh, that record, I wish I'd bought that on vinyl and hung on to it. I probably would have sold it to me, but that day. But, <laughs> but um, I'm even the CD. My CD is missing. If anyone out there listening has my CD, even that, I'm kind of desperate to have because yeah, the whole get, thing's out of print. You got to get that back to Andrew. You're talking about those those Wes Anderson soundtracks from like Tenenbaum's turning people onto creation and stuff well this is that that soundtrack I, that might be the best soundtrack ever it's got like Count Five oh yeah Psychotic Reaction psychotic it's got reaction. her doing that song and that song is only that song that version of For All We Know of hers is like from a TV show like I don't even know how Gus Van Sant got it or why he chose it or whatever uh-huh. like it's only it's not I don't think it was ever released on record oh so it didn't fit the rules so this but this is, had a similar vibe but that's it's just the most gorgeous reflective Thing. Yeah, what else is on that? That Israelites, Desmond Decker's Israelites oh. is on that, and uh, wow, what uh, a ray, what Judy a, in Disguise by uh, Fred Lewis and the Playboys, which is what, kind of a parody of uh, what an array of uh, variety. Yeah, yeah, and it's got the score, the weird ass score from that movie on there too. It kind that's, of delves into that. So. That's cool. It's a perfect uh, go to bed record. Awesome. So then, so we have something special coming up next that I don't know too much about. Yeah, this is this is this is. Um, this is like the priciest vinyl I own now. Uh, my wife Lisa got it for me for my birthday last year. Probably costs like sixty or seventy bucks because it goes along with. It. It's kind of also like the monograph to an art show. Um, my brother Nate, uh, whose trust I taste, trust I taste <laughs> that too, whose taste I trust, you know, above anyone's. Yeah. Uh, texted me and Lisa last year and said that there's this show coming to the Broad down there that I just saw at SF MoMA here, and you just have to go. It's the greatest thing I've seen in a museum in a long time. And cool. uh, Lisa was all over it. She said, it's, it's, that's really her bag. I was uh, a little dubious, but still was anxious to go. And, and so we went, and it, it was this, this, so th- this guy's name is, uh, he's got the most Viking name, Ragnar 
Kjartsson. I think I'm saying it right. <laughs> okay. And not even like, like it's he's Icelandic, and so it's uh-huh. like they they still use patronymic. Like they still use your, you still just do your father's name with like uh, Bjork's last name is Goodman's daughter, uh-huh. right? Like and uh, and uh, so it's like his, it's actually even more Viking than that. It's Ragnar, son of Kjart is his name and he's like a performance artist which normally again normally like run the other direction sure oh i don't know sometimes i i can <laughs> i can see what you're saying but i i, I there's some i mean i, I don't how many uh, uh how, do, how many performance artists does it take to screw in the light bulb how, how many i don't know i left <laughs> credit to my wife for that joke oh, Lisa. but that's actually part of it that's actually part of part of this in a in a way because uh, so so we went and he he's it was into music he's in a band in Iceland and stuff and and he, but he'll be like he'll like duct tape himself to a wall with a guitar and play like he'll do performances like okay, that okay okay well this this was um this was uh it's called the visitors it's named after the last ABBA album but I don't it has nothing to do with ABBA good um, and it's a giant <laughs> hall I know you'd feel that urgent this giant hall and it's all it's got six different musicians on six screens they're all sitting in rooms in an old house separate rooms uh-huh and they're all playing these just long uh, loping uh, jams together and if you walk around the room each speaker is just each person so you can okay. go listen to just oh, the wow. cello player if you want that's awesome you can go listen to just the guitar player yeah and then and it goes on for for and, and there's just something about it i mean the the singer himself the the, the leader is in a bathtub kind of singing lead and playing, playing probably, acoustic guitar i was telling me and eric have always wanted to start a bathroom band yeah where we just sit yeah. in the bathroom and we just like tap that's my absolute dream. Playing in the tub, Dude, I could actually relax, God, and you know, it's the only place I sit still. I, I need to, you need to do that. You know, maybe call it like distilled water or something. Exactly. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into this. So yeah, so when you walk into this room and see this, and we were just electrified by, it, you know, normally it's like it's just like oh, uh, you know, even if there's a piece of art I really like, it's like after five minutes, it's like okay, I got a life to lead. I want to go get a drink or something. But like you know, <laughs> but this we sat through this and wanted to wait around for it to start over again because it was just so good. Good. And so, uh, so I've just asked you to dro- drop into it randomly, yeah, exactly is, as you would when you walk into the room. We're just, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna put it on, and then we're just gonna see where it takes us, and, uh, and then we're gonna have um, probably one more song, and then we're gonna, probably gonna wrap it up in a little bit. But uh, yeah, do check it out. The visitor, is that what it the is? Visitors. Visitors. All right, here we go.
Just like a circle 
So how about some Ramsey Lewis? Yeah, the mm-hmm. Ramsey Lewis mm-hmm. uh, trio uh, playing in the background from the record. Yupukado Mi Pomoha. I think I said it all wrong, but that's cool. Slipping into Darkness. I forget who does this originally. Um, I know it's a cover. I should say it on the record, I think. Uh, they're jazz. They're not going to tell you. It just says yep. A-S-C. going to have a long essay about the thoughtful origins behind it without saying the song. Yeah. But, okay, so going back to the visitors, did you, want, did you wanted to say something else about that. Oh, just that it was, it just really uh, pre, it would seem to predict the do everything on Zoom era. Six people oh. on six separate screens. Yeah. Like, accordingly. Yeah. And in, retro, in retrospect, it was like they were all, they did walk into each other's screens at the end. Uh-huh. You know, they kind of start wandering. But uh, no, it was very much feels very predictive. That's, well, you had mentioned that the other night. So we do, I know Joey had mentioned this in the first episode. But on Thursday nights, there's a group of us that does Zoom karaoke. We've been doing it for months now. I was dubious about it, but it's turned out to be the highlight of my week. I think everyone was dubious about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. When Joey first said it, like, let's do Zoom karaoke, I thought he was, you know, it, I thought he was just trying to be kind because we all love, we, we all love karaoke. Yep. The people that are there, that do, I mean, there's a few that don't, no, actually, I think everyone likes karaoke. I mean, does Resolve to do karaoke? Yeah, she'll do, she'll do karaoke. Sure. Yeah. But, um... So we so we've been zooming Thursday nights for, for months now, especially when the, this is two, 2020. There is a there was a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I remember. If you if you if you're listening to this next wait, if you listen to this on Friday, there was a pandemic before. <laughs> yeah, you know, until it heroically ended all at once, midweek. Yeah, September. So uh, so that's kind of funny because. They introduce Zoom, and that's something that we do every week. Yeah, that's yeah, it is, and it's it's funny, going to be fun. You know, I've actually genuinely made new friend, my first new friends in years. <laughs> a couple people on that that are there every week. It's really awesome, but it's going to be fun. We were talking about it, whether you know whether it's going to be super weird to hang out in person, whether we're going to have to have someone go outside and talk through the window because we need the square framing for it to feel normal. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to mute yourself by closing the window. <laughs> And they're about to sing. Oh god, yeah. That mute button's the best. Mm-hmm. It's like, hold on, I'm gonna go and my mom's calling me. Mute. Yep. <laughs> oh, Andrew. So, um, talking, going back to, to writing. Have you been working on anything? On anything outside? Outside of my work. I mean, I have my work. You know, I really wish that I could. Uh, you know, there's kind of a constant gun to my head at work, which is awesome because I can produce like crazy. I, I, I um, haven't been. Um, uh, it's time to get something rolling again yeah. on uh, on the outside stuff, which I haven't done anything in, in, in quite a while. And again, I write you know hundreds and hundreds of words a day at work. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah for the AP. But, but yeah, um, Andrew Andrew's a writer for the Associated Press, and it's uh, it's his job to give us information. But it's, you know, it's the rules, are str- and I've, I've embraced the rules, and I've embraced the sort of, you know, st- strict style that you have to write by, but at the same time, it would be nice to get out of it here at some point again some more. So I, I you know, I got it ongoing. There's a book about the, uh, the, the about um, Willie Nelson and the Outlaw Country thing that uh-huh. I would, lo- that I've had in mind for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. I sure. had a rejected, uh, I got rejected, a, a, a proposal for the 33 and a third series on, uh, on, um, the redheaded stranger, uh-huh. but it was written in a way that it was very easy to retool it 
to be sort of general about the you know the arrival in Austin of, of Willie and Waylon and all of that. So uh-huh. they, you know, there's this great book called The uh, Easy Riders Raging Bulls about the 70s film generation. I kind of had that same thing in mind. Oh, dude, that, yeah. For Willie Waylon, Chris Christopherson, being oh, sort all of that, the main three that, guys, that, uh, David Allen Coe to a degree. All that scene. Um, I mean, David Allen Coe, that's a, he's a questionable person. He's but. an awful person. <laughs> but but he a, makes great but songs. But as a character, right, exactly, as a character in a book. When, um, I, was, when I was living in Portland, I, I introduced uh, David Allen Coe, like his X-rated, his stuff that was, his X-rated stuff. And uh, I lost some friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they thought that Rightly. I was, they thought that I was uh, approved of the things that he was saying. And I'm not saying I approve of what he was saying. I think everyone has a right to say what they want to say. He just, he, uh, he had a special way of saying it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I have thought about going to, because he used to play at the, before I moved to Portland, he used to play at the Mint. And, and was that his way. home here? Yeah. And I Harry always, Dean Stanton I, used to play a lot. I always wanted to go, but I've always thought that I would probably just get killed. So. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I, I, would, I would think that happened pretty quickly. There, <laughs> yeah. They would just, I'm, I'd be fresh meat to those guys. For sure. <laughs> and then I wanted to do about something about the Harlem Globetrotters forever, but I just, I don't oh, know. That, that, that would be you know, rad. I, um, there was ever, a book did, that came out that it was sort of, I had it had in mind, and there was a book that came out that sort of fit exactly what I wanted to do. It wasn't great, so I'm, I was happy about that, and I might make another run at that at some do, point. Do they ever miss a basketball shot? I've never think I've ever seen them miss. Not these days, because it's mostly on YouTube. Oh. But no, they're remarkable. They are actually all remarkable athletes athletes in their own way and they just uh-huh. their story is just so awesome yeah it you know um you know they were kind of the negro leagues of of uh of the nba in their own way all by uh-huh. themselves Wilt well, chamberlain you know played for them for a while yeah yeah that's right <laughs> beat the boston celtics once yeah before they went into kind of the full-time you show, know show clown thing yeah. that, and it's troublesome it's like louis armstrong it has like sort of these minstrelsy aspects that make you un- that can, can can make you know the modern sort of you know, observer uncomfortable, but but they uh, but they're still they've been in a, just a, an amazing phenomenon, um, and they're kind of a, they've had a bit of a revival here. They were they uh, you know they they lend themselves well to kind of like short clips on Instagram and stuff. So they, as a kid, I I, I I loved watching them play. Like I, it's the best, wasn't it? It like was on the so wide world of sports on Saturday fun. afternoon, no, middle lark lemon and all of that. And I was like, why doesn't you know why isn't the Lakers do that. I assumed that they were like <laughs> two. That was like the pin. They were the pinnacle, right? It was yeah. like they were better yeah. than the Lakers. Yeah, and you know, blew me away as a kid. Um, but it, all right. So Andy, any any last words? I mean, thank you so much for coming out. I mean, this is. I know it's it's Friday, and uh, you know, can't wait for the weekend. Yeah, you know, weekend weekend weekend. What do you do on weekends now? Do the same thing you do in the weekdays? Same. Yeah, they're pretty much the same, especially during the, the pandemic that ended recently. Yeah, that happened. Um, but yeah, dude, thank you so much. Any last words? No, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad you created the show. It was fantastic. I, uh, uh, Joey and uh, Dimitri set a high bar on the music. I was nervous about my choices as a oh, result. No. So. Those, those guys, they, did, they, did a, they, I, I, they, they surprised me with their jams and, uh, and I had such a good time with both of them. Um, and this has been a lot of fun. Um, I'm glad I got to do the housewarming episode. This is the first one we're recording yeah. in your new house. We yeah, had a, a garage and a, and a place in Tacoma, so this will be yeah, yeah special yeah. in that way. That was that. This is cool. Uh, thank you, Ruth, for letting us hang out. Um, and uh, I think we're, I'm going to close it out with uh, Brian Eno, back in Judy's Jungle. It's a good choice. It's where uh, 
All things considered. Yeah, that's where I got the idea from. I forgot the record in Tacoma, so I couldn't play it. And Dimitri and he was like, well, we can find it on YouTube. And I was like, no. <laughs> so now now that you'll play it, now it will actually have been in the majority of, of episodes. Yes. It'll be two out of three. It'll be two out of three. It'll be two out of three. Excellent. And uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out. Hopefully we didn't bore you. And um, we have a, a bunch of more uh, ideas and projects coming soon and people lined up that I'm really looking forward to talking to and having them share music and having them share stories and having them be able to inspire not just me, but everyone. Because uh, inspiration comes with different conversations, in my opinion. So thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to the jams, all the ones the, that are fun and all the ones that are crazy, all the ones that are improv, all the ones that are sad. And uh, let's end it out with uh, Brian Eno. Thanks for hanging out. Goodbye.
Play hard.